Get ready for the education podcast that brings you the most unique, no-nonsense takes on school leadership, teaching, coaching, and all things K-12 education. This is Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Education. I think, I'm gonna, I think we should abbreviate that. We call it Info-Obs. Can we call this Info-Obs, Vance? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm Michael Sombert, the founder of Skyrocket. Here, as always, with the good doctor, Dr. Antonio Vance. Antonio, how are you, man? I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. Just okay? Just, just okay, yeah. Well, get, get, get better, man. What is wrong? There's nothing wrong. I mean, it's, um, you know, I think like a lot of educators, just, you know, pushing through and doing what's best for kids. And, you know, I have to find time to take care of myself as well. But um, just, a, just a lot, just a lot. But good stuff, man. Good stuff. What do you do to take care of yourself? What's your self-care routine? Well, I mean, now the weather's changed. So it's, I mean, it's getting dark at like four o'clock, which is just weird. <laughs> um, and... You know, I like to I like to cycle. Indoor cycling is my thing. Um, tennis. Now, is it on like a Peloton or is it like a a, a ten speed bike that you drive around your apartment oh, and crash into? Very Peloton. Okay. People tell me what to do: get up, sprint, sit back down, that sort of thing. Yeah. Got and, it. Um, let's see. And like tennis, but it's like cold now, and it's too expensive to. To, to play indoor tennis. Um, so I got to find something for the winter. You know, I could hear listeners all over the country uh, clicking off because they come, they come here to get fired up and you are, uh, <laughs> you are <laughs> do you remember those? We'll, we'll turn it up. We'll turn Remember it when those Peloton commercials were uh, getting all that flack because oh. uh, they were, um, you know, everybody's Peloton. Somebody's in like a 4,000 square foot, apartment in san francisco and their right. pelotons overlooking you know uh the entire city and it's just like who who are they marketing this toward right it's not it didn't feel like regular people absolutely well that's changed well yeah. i mean they're also probably going to be struggling a little bit now since gyms are opening back up and the world's <laughs> struggling to get back to normal so all right well, look, if we have any listeners left after that uh, riveting introduction from both of us, <laughs> let's do three uh, three questions for the good doctor, man. Thanksgiving's coming up. This is our last show before Thanksgiving. What yeah. Are you a big Thanksgiving fan? If so, what do you like to eat during Thanksgiving? I mean, I know what, pe- what, what most people do eat, but what do you like to eat? Yeah, you know, I grew up... Um, and <laughs> in an interesting family. And we always visited other families uh, for Thanksgiving. I don't know. Um, we never, it was rare um, that we cooked at home um, and stayed home for Thanksgiving. We were always like at someone else's family um, get together. So I don't know if that was my parents' way of, you know, opting out. Um <laughs> It's hard to say what I like. I can tell you one thing I don't like is... Oh, I bet it's the same as me. Maybe. I do not understand. I cannot comprehend. I cannot wrap my head around cranberry sauce. That like red (laughs) disc 
of like, <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't think it's a, I don't think that's a fruit. It looks like some sort of like gelatin amalgamation of like goo. I don't know what it is, but I it's just like don't cranberry know. spam, right? Yeah. What? Like, I, yeah. Um, but everyone like loves it and they just go like, you know, ham over it. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> and I'm just like, what is that? I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty versatile. I like, I like tons of, of, of different foods. I do feel bad for the poor little turkey slaughters that we go through whenever you're killing all the little turkeys. What's the, uh, what's, there's gotta be something around that. Like, you know, how every few years they'll ramp up how many deer can get killed uh, right. because yeah. there's like a deer, I don't know, surplus is not the right term, but. I wonder what the math is on that. Like, I don't, I don't, I haven't heard that turkeys are endangered. Not that it makes, uh, not that it makes the slaughter any, any less sad, but I wonder if there's actually like some, uh, some math here, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm thinking now if, if, if folks listen to the last episode and I talked about my, uh, turkey leg hut, then they're going to probably say I'm contradicting myself. That's right. You are. That's yeah. Like, but that's different folks. That's different. It's, it's, um, it's not different, but in my head, it's different than Thanksgiving. Um, but well, we've, we're already getting some letters from people who on a few episodes ago, you talked about how you want to dance to Britney and uh, and and Justin, but won't dance to Ju- uh, you know Justin Timberlake, but won't dance to Justin Bieber. And then on the last episode, you say you don't like music and you could do without it forever. And okay. people are like, "What is going on with this guy?" So you are yeah. you are the human you are the human contradiction in yeah, that regard. I, I would would dance. I I would be okay without. I mean, but yeah. if I were forced to dance, I would prefer not to dance or listen to any of this um, current um, stuff that I guess people call music. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't listen to it. So, what, and I, just, uh, I don't I, listen to music. I listen. I I could go without. You it. could go I, without it. Yeah, I, I would be okay. I wouldn't. The world wouldn't end. I'm I'm just I'm not a music fan, and people get all excited and huffy puffy about it, and I'm just like, okay, it's fun. Song. Got it. It's funny as you say that I feel the same way about television. Uh, I I I I would have trouble going without music and television. I mean, I do love watching sports. Yeah. But like, I don't watch. We've talked about this. I don't watch a lot of shows. I don't. Every. I mean, I've never seen The Sopranos. I've never seen Breaking Bad. I've never seen Dexter. I've never seen like just name a show. Fargo. Like all these people. Game of Thrones. I've never seen even one second of any of these things and not because I'm like too cool or too busy. I just like, I have trouble investing in that and that type of stuff. So I would, I could go without TV the same way you go without music. Yeah. We could, we should go like live in the woods somewhere. (laughs) I plan on being uh, like an only child. Like I I just never, I just found other ways to entertain myself besides like (laughs) music and TV and like all this other like, external stuff i just sit and contemplate the world that's right that's that's made you who you are today hey you're you gonna, like cranberry gonna sauce are you a cranberry sauce fan uh i don't like the circle the disc thing you're talking about because it just feels weird but i do like regular cranberry sauce with like the chunks and the oh. sometimes they'll throw in little um oranges i'll tell you what i don't like which is going to surprise you and probably everybody is i don't like the turkey 
Turkey is my least favorite thing at Thanksgiving. I love stuffing. I love mashed potatoes. My number two, my number two dislike is stuffing. Is stuffing really? What is that? It's like breadcrumbs. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. You don't even know what it is. Like somebody I know, one of uh, we go we go to my cousin's house and somebody makes oyster stuffing. It's stuffing, but it has oysters in it. Which what is the actual? composition of the stuffing is it like breadcrumbs and like goo i don't think anybody knows i don't think uh, i think it's a secret (laughs) um vance what's something that you learned or by the way happy thanksgiving to you yes happy thanksgiving Thanksgiving to our (laughs) listeners this is the last episode before thanksgiving and uh, i think all educators could use a well-deserved break what is something you've learned or something that's inspired you recently um since we last spoke um you know i was reading an article um and it really struck me as um the article was uh an interview with uh, Peter Senge. I don't know if you are familiar. You probably are. No, no. Oh, okay. He wrote the book, like the fifth discipline. It's like a uh, work in business. Yeah. You know, yes. Yeah. I know who he is. Yep. Yep. Um, and so he also wrote like a book about schools, but there was this interview in this article. And there were two things that he said that like, you know, I did one of those moments. They're like, huh. Um, and the first one was about um, how schools are not learning organizations, which I thought was really interesting. I, and I think I, I talk about this all the time, how we're sort of schools are kind of like stuck in the like early 1900s, not all schools, of course, there are tons of schools that are innovative and have found different ways to like, grow. And, you know, I think one of the things I think about, like, like schools, we still have some of the same practices we had, you know, early on. And like, what if medicine was was like, stuck in a you know in a time zone like that if we were still using the practices Mm. like the 1900s and i just think that we haven't quite caught up to society and education which is a shame but the the other thing that that he brought up which i found more interesting i think you'll like is he talked about um just the word learning and what does it mean and he was and he brought up the point that in um in in chinese the character for learning there, it actually is two characters. One is like studying and the other is practice. Mm. And they come together to, to actually make this, the, the word and the understanding um, of, of learning. And I thought that was so interesting. Um, and I think it, it, it's really relevant to the work, obviously the work that we do um, and the work that, you know, in education, I think it's just so important to always think about obviously studying like, understanding what you're doing, you know, a teacher understanding their praxis, a leader understanding uh, their, you know, their school and their leadership. But then the other part to that is the practice. And I think that's left out so often, so much um, in an organization is just being so practiced. I know we talk about it all the time on this show, uh, but I, I just don't think it can ever be overstated uh, the importance of constantly practicing your craft uh, yeah wow that's really that really uh it's funny i just ran a session not too long ago uh, you know earlier tonight and much of the time we spent was around practice right and we do that all the time but it's just like we can't expect anybody to get better at anything if we don't practice right yep. it's he crazy. Says in the article, he's like you can't learn you can't get better if, if they that you can't separate them 
you can't separate practice from learning and getting better. Wow, that's awesome. Awesome. Um, mine is actually really on, on uh, in line with our topic tonight. We're talking tonight about what we call rebel culture and how some teams and some organizations build these really great cultures in places and in spaces and in times when it feels like culture is a hard thing to build. And I was listening to a podcast and there were a few hosts on the podcast, one of whom is a, a retired Navy SEAL and a really intense, just badass dude who just goes out into the woods for like weeks at a time with nothing except, you know, his supplies and finds his own food and makes his own shelter. And the guy is just a really, really unique guy. But uh, and he's all into like, um, you know, ultra running and he runs like hundred mile races and, and one of these, one of these dudes. Sounds and, like we're probably going to be friends. You want to be friends? <laughs> well, you want to be yeah, friends? we, we, we have some things in common. I am not, I am, I am too, I'm too much of an indoor cat to be hanging out in the woods for, for, for two weeks at a time. I like, I like the couch and I like uh, a shower, even if it's sometimes freezing cold. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we do have, we do have a bit in common, but what was interesting to me is that one of the other hosts was talking about, uh, the members of their team, their, their, their training team and how they really, uh, want those people to, uh, think for themselves and act for themselves. And the, the Navy SEAL goes on this rant um, around the, the, the perils of micromanagement. Mm. And everybody needs to be, everybody needs to, people need to, he talks about when he was in the SEALs, um, they had this, there's this term, it's a, a military term called decentralized command which means like, yes, I'm part of a team, but when I'm given orders, if those orders don't make sense in my current situation, I have the ability to change course and make my own decisions and that that's the way the team should operate. Mm -hmm. and, and he goes on and on about this and then on a dime pivots and talks about how earlier that day, he, he thinks he's starting a new topic, but he really he's his story is on a similar topic. Earlier that day, he was training for a race. They were supposed to run eight miles, and the person who was running with him decided that they wanted to run 12 miles and not eight. Okay. And so what happened there is that the, the, the guy, the SEAL, was counting on this other runner to push him. But instead, because the other runner was running 12 miles and wanted to preserve themselves over the 12 miles, they ran more slowly and never pushed the Navy SEAL. And he was livid and he was screaming into the microphone, not screaming, but like really animated into the microphone. You are not an individual, he would say. You are part, he said, you are part of a team. You are a unit. Stop thinking for yourself. You are not an individual. Uh -huh. And it struck me in so many ways because when the idea of 
individuality was was proposed he was all for it and he even brought up his example of being in the seals right. when he would make different decisions and and by the way my, my immediate thought was like yes you're in the navy seals you're a highly trained you know one in however many people can you know make that i mean almost nobody passes the seal test of course you of course you uh have have the have the, the 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 right the authority the ability whatever you want to call it to make your own decisions in the heat of battle but but let me let me let, so like yes right uh, he's a highly trained expert and so yes of course they make their own decisions but let me go back to my original point which was when he was talking about teamwork in 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 theory he loved the idea of everybody thinking for themselves and operating in their own way and don't micromanage and everybody's an individual. And the second it came to this idea in practice, he pivoted on a dime. I, I couldn't have scripted this out. I, I'm sure he didn't even notice it, right? I'm sure other people on listening noticed it, but he, I'm sure he didn't even notice it. When, when it yeah. came to this work in practice, he was livid. You don't do things on your own. You are part of a team. Operate exactly how we agreed to operate. Do things exactly how we said we were going to do them. Yep. Otherwise, you F with the team dynamic. Yep. And I thought that was a real, just a really interesting, because you and I hear that all the time from people who are like, you know, like, I want my people, I want my team to feel empowered. And it's just like, and then they're furious that like, people didn't do things the way they thought they should right and it was yep. it was that i just listened to this the other day and it was it, i think it's a perfect a perfect topic for us tonight i mean did he realize his contradiction i don't think so i don't oh, think wow. he realized it i think I mean, his i think what he thinks in his head and what he actually knows to be true are are a million miles apart yep. and he and and he the he can't the dissonance is, is he's not aware of the dissonance. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it happens to a lot of us. I mean, you know, I think uh, the other day I was at a, um, a conference with, with school leaders and we talked about how the disconnect from the way that you're trained as a, as a school principal. And then like mm. when you actually sit in the chair, um, they're just day, like, you know, the, the, the theoretical stuff sounds great. <laughs> um, but as soon as you sit in that chair and the actual practical <laughs> application kicks in, um, you really think things really, you know, really shine through as being dissonant. So that's that's really interesting. It's really interesting. Uh, Vance, I think tonight's going to be a first for informal observations. What's that? Are you having a drink tonight? Ah, I'm not having a drink tonight. Oh, I, I don't think I, this is the first. I think it's one of few. Well, no, what I'm going to say is I'm not having a drink either, and I'm not sure oh. if we've ever had a show where neither one of us has had a drink. Although, no, you did correct me on the last show. We did we did record one at like 11 a.m. Yeah, we're here. <laughs> now, I want to be clear for our listeners. Neither one of us is opposed to drinking at 11 a.m., but we had a full day of work after that. And so that we are with that we are adamantly opposed to. Oh, I am the show uh, probably will be boring. What's that? I said, now the show probably will be boring if either one of us are having a drink. Somebody's got to spice it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, hopefully our topic won't be boring. I'm just, I'm saving it, man. Next week's Thanksgiving. I plan to get after it. Lots of food, lots of booze. 
Um, so I'm being good tonight. I'm also going, I'm in Milwaukee right now. Uh, I'm going to the Bucks Lakers game tomorrow night and, oh, nice. uh, I plan to have a few cocktails at that. Uh, and so, uh, I'm saving it up, but, uh, we let's get the feedback. What we'll do is we'll ask Stacy to look through the, the metrics. And if we have a bunch of people clicking off this episode <laughs> right around now, uh, we will know that we can never, uh, have a sober episode again. Does that sound like a deal? Sounds like a deal. I'm down for it. Let's talk about our subject, man. Rebel culture. This is this idea that you and I have been talking about for quite a a while. And I I explained it a little bit uh, a few moments ago, but I really want to get into the weeds here that um, there are, when I talk about, when we talk about rebel culture, we're not talking about people who are rebellious in the traditional sense of like, picture James Dean, you know, you know, smoking cigarettes and uh, speeding through whatever town, right? Like not the, not the rebel without a cause, right? Thing, but like folks who listen to the traditional narrative about what's possible in X place. And they say, F you, I don't care. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, yes, we are, our team is expanding and we're not going to lose any of that small team like interpersonal, we all work together feel or, um, and we see this, you know, during the pandemic, here's a great example during the pandemic mm-hmm. when, and not that we're not that the, the, the pandemic's over, but when it was like, everybody was home and nobody was going anywhere. We had a principal who would text me every Monday morning at like 10 AM. And he would text me and say, zero teachers absent again today, every Monday, zero teachers absent again mm-hmm. today. For like 11 weeks in a row when schools around the corner from his were like we have 14 people out today and those people in those schools would say things like well it's the pandemic and well people are tired and well like you know everybody's stressed out and all those things are true i'm not i'm not diminishing that and i know you aren't either but how come this how come at this one school that's blocks away from the others had this rebel culture where folks like of course i'm freaking going to work today of course i'm of course I'm all in on this, right? And 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 not that that school had everything figured out because they would have places, other places where they could learn from some of the schools that I just mentioned who had a lot of teachers absent. But this idea of like rebel culture, almost standing up to the narrative, rebelling against the narrative that like work has to suck or that working in urban ed is is like, you know, like it's it's impossible or that you like you, you just, you have to be like unhappiness is the way to go or like, like, like or whatever the whatever the traditional narrative is, and we have these rebels that are pushing back against that. And so, Vance, I want to I want to ask you, um, what what makes those rebel? What makes that those rebel cultures? Um, what what makes them what they are? What what at least in part? What makes a great team a great team or a great culture a great culture? Right. So you know as. We've been talking, like you said, we've been talking about this um, amongst ourselves for a while, and there's tons of examples in the field. And I think one of the things that I have been thinking about and pontificating on is like, (laughs) is this like an authentic trait? Is this like something that are just that is just built in um, to some folks who are like, hey, I hear what you're saying, but no, I mean, it's the honorary person who's always going in the opposite direction everyone's going this way like no i'm actually going to go this way i'm going to take the 
the other route. Um, or and I'm gonna have that. I'm gonna have those tough conversations when yes. other folks don't want to. And I'm gonna I'm gonna own my mistakes when other folks have trouble yep. doing that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get feedback when when other folks don't want to. Right? Or yeah. Or is it like? And then I, I think about folks that or or times, not necessarily individual people, but is this also something that can be sort of learned um, yeah. and not part of like your all. I mean, I think that that probably is more how I've led in the past um, where like, typically like I like to follow the rules. I like to, but I don't necessarily take on, you know, the opinions of those around me. And so I think that the, the two things I, I often think about, like one, are these like innate qualities and innate characteristics of, of certain people and they're able to instill and push those thoughts onto folks. Mm. And is this something that can be learned and built as a narrative? And so like, I give a, a great example, which is my, you know, one of my first early jobs, which was like to turn around uh, one of the most dangerous schools um, in, in the city of Philadelphia. Well, in the and country, in the country. It was actually, right? Yes, in the country. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I mean, just a, a, a really, a, a place that was not, you know, productive and, and it was honestly scary. Um, and I, there, there's not very many staff members there that wouldn't have agreed those first few days. But yeah. we had folks saying, so what? Yeah. yeah, this is a dangerous school. And yeah, so what? Um, there are gunshots outside. Let's yeah. go. Let's move every yeah. day. And every day we showed up. Um, and I don't know what that was. And it, I mean, the, it, was it the commitment to the mission? Was it commitment to our values and our purpose? I think it was all of that. All yeah. of those things had to come together. I don't think there was one single determining thing. It was that commitment to our vision. It was our, a leader that was like, yo, we're doing this. We don't care. Let's push. Let's go. <laughs> Get on the bus. Let's go. Oh, you know what? Today, the, I, I remember something happened. I can't remember the thing. And our leader stood in front of us and said, you know what? The wheels fell off the bus. Yeah. We're going to pull over and we're going to put on the, the spare and we're going to keep going. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. And so there were like lots of, of, of different things. And I think it's a, a combination of all the things that we've talked about over the last year and a half. And it's just putting all of those pieces together to a systematic way of thinking and a, and a, and a way of, of pushing forward. Well, I think I love your point. I do think that there are some people for whom this is innate, right? Yeah. Some people who just are, are naturally good leaders um, and they are naturally very in tune with what other folks are thinking and feeling, and they are naturally good at motivating people. I don't think that those people are the, the, the rule. I think they're more the exception. And I think that great culture is more often than not manufactured. And I don't say that in a negative way. It could, it could be interpreted negatively, but that it's more manufactured, that those folks are making moves. I mean, think about the people you know who, inside and outside education, who have the strongest culture in their organizations or on their teams. They're not, um, the, I mean, smart, sure, but everybody's smart, right, in this work. Um, uh, even outside this work, folks are smart. That's not unique, but they are humble and they take responsibility for things that are their fault and often not their fault. They have a vision 
that they've gotten other stakeholders to uh, in, 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 uh, engage in, embrace, embody, right? They've, they've created like, a, like team dynamics. What, is it, what does it mean to work here? What do we care about? On this, on uh, on this, on this team or at this org, and not that they do those things in isolation. They've, of course, asked other people's sure. opinion. But you know, there are there are. Let's go. Let's go to schools. There are schools where people wouldn't dare gossip about another staff member. Yep. And there are other schools where that is that's happening all day long, every single day where folks, teachers are text messaging each other during PD, talking smack about the person facilitating or somebody else sitting there. Like that stuff is like that stuff happens. Yeah. Right. Did, did something happen? Did, was somebody talking smack about you while you the, were? They, they, they were. No, I'm just kidding. No, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being honest that I've, I've uh, not that long ago, somebody shared with me. They was like, they were like, Hey, um, Teachers were, it came, it came to our attention that teachers were, uh, they were talking shit about us while we were up there. Um, somebody showed us the text messages and they said, what should we do? I said, well, what's your rule about technology and staff meetings? Like, oh, we don't have one. I'm like, well, that's problem number one. But, but that, that, that often that, often that these people who build these, these really great cultures and these really great teams have a lot of things in common. Um, and that folks who don't, and let's talk about the don't. What are the, what are the things when you see, when you get to a culture and you're like, from, from toxic to just, hey, it's not as good as it can be. What are the things that, that are missing in those places Fr- from the people, from the leaders? Yeah. I mean, I think that some of the most uh, common things that are missing, I think the first that I see probably the most often is communication. Yes. Um, that organizations that fail to communicate effectively. And I don't mean like sending out the principal blast or the email. I don't, I'm not, not necessarily in that manner, but. But that, but that's, that's a, that's a part of it, but, but not that's the whole a part thing. of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it, it's so, it, it's, it's so much more extensive than, than just, um, than, than just that, I think that schools are missing like a discipline of communication or a disciplined approach to communicating and having dialogue. When I sit in leadership team meetings and the school leader is just talking and has not asked a single other leader their input or gives this like super detailed plan that if it's off by 30 seconds, the whole thing crumbles mm. um, and and as we always talk about lack of clarity. So I think communication and the lack of discipline um, around uh, around communication is probably one of the most. And then I think that there's this like, there's this lack of just like just folks just hoping for the best. I don't even know mm-hmm. how to like clarify it. It's sort of like, was well, it lack of systems? It's like yeah, it is. It is the last lack of systems and system thinking. Like, and I think you have to understand, like in schools, thinking at a, a, as a system, but kind of like a family, right? And there are just so many cogs and parts to the system that when one is off, 
Yeah. That, that ripple effect that you half the time you don't even anticipate um, ripples through the organization. And I think it's it's always because of the lack of preparedness in systems and systems thinking. It goes back to what your earlier example that we are all part of the of this system and you can't you have to get rid of that individual sort of thinking and that everybody has a part um, in this. And when you don't have the systems in place, when you don't have protocols and you're not following them um, and not clear about it, uh, that is probably the, the, the thing that I see that, that just tears cultures apart. People wanna be in predictable environments yes. um, where they know what to expect. And when they don't, that's when you start to see um, the erosion of trust um, and, and the way that the organization runs. Yeah, the, both of those things really resonate with me, and it's it's uh, reflective of a lot of a lot of the the data that's coming out now, and a lot of the kind of the newer research that's being done around employees reporting out that they don't care if they they're not really interested in the gift cards, and they're not really interested in you know of course schools wouldn't have pool tables, there's not enough space, but in just in like private sector like. Uh, offices and like their folks are not interested in pool tables and and yogurt bars they they are interested in clear communication and a vision that they can get behind something that they feel like really matters they are interested in consistency predictability as you said feeling valued right feeling like and feeling like they're part of something larger than themselves and so what what we often see play out and the communication thing that you said i I can't i can't stress that enough and i know every single person listening to this right now is like yup yup i freaking hate when i don't have the answers and i am being held up by my boss or by my boss's boss and i don't i I was at a school a couple years ago where it was the monday of spirit week monday oh no and by noon, it was noon on Monday, and the staff didn't have any information on it other than it's Spirit Week. And teachers were like, "What am I supposed to do? What like what what am I supposed to do?" And the leadership team was not taking it very seriously, which is a huge a huge problem. Um, or so, a handful of members were, but most weren't. And this is a great example of like spirit week should be a fun thing in schools, but instead of it being fun, it was leading to angst and frustration and a lack of faith and belief in my boss and a, a, what can become a, um, a, a, a resignation, um, not, not in the, like, I'm leaving my job, but a resignation around the things we're going to do here. And so the next time something comes up and it's like, hey, now it's time for the eighth grade field trip. It's like, you know what? Bull- bullshit. Cause you're not going to do it right. And you're not going to let us know. And I'm going to like, and I'm just whatever. It becomes that. And that I think it's so important for folks to hear this and like to, to, to like internalize this. It's not about the shirt, the t-shirt with the, the the school logo on it or the, the the office logo on it it's about it's about that consistency that communication as one piece of it right the feeling valued is of course another huge piece and 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 those and being part of a mission and and so 
to that point, I mean, can a, can a great culture exist in your opinion without a value, without values, without a vision, without a thing? The values is like the, how do we operate? The vision is like, what are we trying to accomplish? What are we aspiring to? Can a, can a great culture exist without those things being in place? I, I mean, I mean, I, I subscribe to um, tons of texts that will, that I lean on that would say absolutely not. Um, I mean, we, we talked about, about them here. And I think, um, you know, a great example, uh, Lencioni probably, I think he mentions it in the advantage, but talks about how the vision and values, all those things. And I, I look at them as a leader, as he literally, you know, says they're like a rudder um, in the ship, you know, when things go wrong. And I think about so many times as a leader, how we employ and use um, things like values, uh, your vision and that sort of North Star. I mean, like, how can you, how can you navigate anything without knowing where you're going? Yeah. And what's important and what's not. And when you talk about a culture, I mean, that is what a culture is. It is the, 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 the totality of your beliefs and your habituated practices um, and the behaviors um, inside of your organization. And so if you don't define that, I mean, it's, it, it's sort of, you know, you're, you're going to do exactly what we talk about. You're not communicating it. It's not clear what is believed and what's not believed. And I know sometimes people, the, I, I think the problem is we get, we see like visioning as like an activity, like the one time we all get together. An exercise. It's an exercise and it's not. And as long as organizations look at it as it's this sort of like, okay, everybody come together. Let's, let's open up the word document and let's stitch our little thoughts and sentences together to create this like nice buzzwordy vision. And, oh, these are the things that we should do. Um, those type of, of things are going to lead to disaster where visioning should be a process. Um, and it's an ongoing process. It's part of a journey. It's constantly getting examined and it's, it's used, it's lived and not espoused. Um, and without actually doing those things, organ I mean, how many times have you, I mean, honestly, like go, you know, and if you're a listener, go around and ask people in your building, what are, what are, what is our vision? And I've done yeah. it a ton of times at schools and people look at me crazy. Um, oh, let me look at my email really quick. Well, why, why do you have to look there? Like if it's your vision, um, then it's, it, it's, it's who you are and it's what this organization stands for. And same thing with values. Sometimes folks can quote two or three, but these things need to be lived in every single thing that, that folks do. Vance, sometimes you know this, but sometimes school leaders who wrote this, <laughs> you, we're not just talking about for folks listening at home. We're not just talking about like, Oh yeah, you know somebody's like yeah, like they're 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 teaching third grade. They're up to their eyeballs, eyeballs in third grade work. Like we're talking about like uh, we're talking about the folks who like wrote the thing. I talk to school leaders all the time. Like, what are your values? Folks can't tell me. Yeah, they, they, as you said, they might know one, they might know two. They can't tell me. Yeah. So it it that that's like it doesn't mean. And so what happens is folks operate from a place of um just whatever i kind of feel like doing right now and i don't mean that in like a negative way like i'm gonna walk out of work at at 1 p.m just because i feel like going to get a pizza like no that and i don't mean that but like you know like hey like you know a, a parent raises their voice at me i'll raise mine back right mm -hmm. like uh you know like uh you know somebody's gossiping to me in the in the 
in the in the lounge and I'll I'll partake because not because I'm a bad person, not because I don't I don't have a high character. It's not because I don't care. It's because I'm like there's no like normed way that we do things here. I mean, you see it in I mean, if you're a sports fan, I mean, look at like a team like the New England Patriots, right? Like versus you know some other teams, and uh, uh, there are tons. The team I root for, for instance, like where folks are just super undisciplined. Like they're like the San Antonio Spurs. Like the folks are like the players on those teams are not all over social media, saying taking pictures of themselves at clubs. Yeah. Which, by the way, I don't have any issue with at all. But like, yeah, I saw they, your Instagram. I saw you've it. seen my yeah. Well, you. I mean, you know how I, you know how I roll, man. I was at the turkey leg hut, but but but. Players on those players on those teams, when asked questions about their teammates, they have they have they have choreographed responses. Yep. It's boring as hell for the reporters. It's boring as hell for us fans. But they have choreographed responses. Right? They own the thing. They don't throw their teammate under the bus. Yep. And if they do, right? They they own it. They, 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 they speak in ways like they talk, they talk aspirationally about what they can accomplish together. They, 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 they say we need to do better. It's, this is on all 53 guys, or if it's a basketball team, it's on, you know, all you know, 10 or 11 of us, whatever it is. Um, th- that, that's not an accident, right? There's a way that those folks operate and, and in their personal lives, they could do whatever they want. But when we're part of this team, there's a way we operate. This is something that can be created, and you see it in places where there are, I'll go back to the sports example, where there's infighting on teams, and folks are talking smack about each other in post-game conferences, and they're talking smack about each other on, on social media. Like, there's just like, there's, like, this is this is something that can be created. It's It can be manufactured. Yep. And, and Michael, it goes back to the, the the thought around just predictability. When you give folks values, vision, it creates a predictable environment. When X happens, this is our value for that. And this is how you respond to that. And this is how we interact and how we work together. And it's about creating that, that ability to, to work and, and, and flourish in a predictable environment um, with, with clarity. What um when you were uh when you were a leader of a school what you what you do to to build up the team uh, what you do to build culture? Yeah, I think that um, well we read the culture code. <laughs> <laughs> um, Daniel Daniel Cole re, re, Daniel Coyle rather yep. uh, culture code read, great um, book. We read our I, I believe it's called our iceberg is melting. Um, oh, I don't know that one. It is a, um, it is, it's, it's framed like a a children's sort of booklet. It's with some penguins on an iceberg. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's very adult, um, adult work drama. And I think that part of what I learned from our iceberg is melting and the penguins there um, was one around creating a safe environment um, I mean, you know me and some like people I work with know me like I have control issues. So like, yeah. I want things to go a certain way. And I mean, a part of that was uh, creating an environment where people who worked with me felt comfortable calling me out saying, hey, you know, mm. we have to think about X thing in a different way. Um, and then I think 
<laughs> clarifying communication, becoming super disciplined. And I mean, I mean, over, over the top uh, dis disciplined around communication and clarity. Yeah. Um, I mean, clarity, more clarity, over clarity, like just beat folks in the head with clarity. Um, and I, I think that that, that created this sense of, of, of trust. Um, and, and then you start to see folks doing the things that, that we talk about where they're doing the right thing with, when, when people aren't looking, you start to That's see right. building up because folks are working in a trusted environment where there are clear boundaries, there are clear values, there's a clear, clear mission. And either you're aligned or you're not aligned. Mm -hmm. Folks mm -hmm. that are aligned are bought in and they are, you know, fist up, ready to go, no matter what, 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 what happens. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it is definitely, it's disciplined work. I wouldn't say that it's hard work. I would say that it is disciplined work mm. and it is, it, it just takes focus and commitment. And yeah, I think that there are a ton of, you know, guiding principles to, to help you do that. And I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you'll obviously be um, an amazing leader. I wish I had when I was a school leader. This would be very instructive. Um, but yeah, I like I mean, the I, mean, I like the plug in the middle of the podcast. You're telling people to listen to the podcast. I like be that. Better, to be better. I mean, I, I talked to friends. They're like, "Oh wow, I wish I had listened to this when I was a principal um, and 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 or a school leader." And yeah, I mean, yeah, that has just, been a cool. That has been cool, man. You um, just have yeah. to be. Um, and I think that that was the part of it was just sort of not always leading from a place of like, I am a leader, but we are a team and, and just thinking as thinking of everything as a system um, and not um, trying to get rid of a lot of the individualized um, thinking and thinking more as a team. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this at length on the show, but that, that the autonomy, that the individuality comes as a, as an end result and not as a, as a first step. And if right. we go back to, my sports analogy, um, when a team is disciplined and cohesive and they all, they know they can all count on each other and they're aligned behind whatever their mission is or their vision is, uh, and they operate in a certain way, that's when folks start to feel the, the comfortability, um, and have the, and, 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 uh, the comfortability to, to start to do things that are outside the, outside the box. Um, and they have the encouragement to do those things like the Navy SEAL I was mentioning. Of course, you all, uh, you all use uh, this idea of decentralized command because you're highly trained experts who, by the way, for years didn't, you actually marched in unison. You actually like chanted in unison. You, you all, one person got in trouble. Everybody did a hundred push-ups, right? You did all that for years. And, and you operated in the same way and you went to bed at the same time and you yeah. ate at the same time and you did all these things to get to a place where the individuality made sense. Um, and, 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 and I, I really, I can't stress that enough. It, you know, just how many leaders we talk to inside education and outside who have this like theory around like, everybody operate, you know, I want people to like be autonomous. I want folks to feel and my favorite thing is when they say uh, uh, they want their, um, you know, they want their uh, team to operate like a family. 
And it always cracks me up because most families are pretty screwed up. <laughs> they, <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. And they talk, they talk shit about each other and they hold on to grudges for 20 years <laughs> and they, they say hi to your new, uh, you know, your new partner, but then they talk smack about them when they, when, when you all leave the party. So, um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, it's that predictability piece, man. I, I think too, though, I'd love your thoughts on this as we're, we're kind of wrapping up here, but, and we had a guest a couple, a couple uh, sessions ago named Kirby who talked about like, you know, you've got to, you've got to be willing to be, and I'm paraphrasing, but you've got to be willing to be like, look really foolish and be embarrassed in front of people. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's a, that's a, that's an under, uh, stated, uh, yeah. under-referenced part of this that, um, you know, to really have a great culture, the, the, the people leading have to be willing to, now I'm not saying that those people should be the butt of, of jokes or that they mm -hmm. should be taken on seriously. What I, what I am saying is that she, they should be willing to put themselves in positions where they might get some egg on their face. And when that happens, uh, own it and maybe even make light of it because uh, it shows a a, a real a, humil a humility um, and and a humanness and authenticity. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I agree. I think that good leaders um, are are also part of the team, and yeah. so not separating themselves on this sort of like guarded castle or. In, in their office or in some place that feels like you need like a handprint identification to get into, right? But that <laughs> there's this sort of connectedness. I mean, and I think the best leaders, as you mentioned, are um, open. Um, and we used to say, um, like, just open the kimono. When I like, I used to do it all the time. <laughs> I used to send out it. It's probably very inappropriate now that it's I'm incredibly it. inappropriate, but um, yeah. But I used to send out something like opening the kimono to, oh my God, I'm surprised I have not been like on the news now that I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I used to, like, when I would make a mistake, I would say, hey, I we had a um, fire drill and I sent a bunch of kids down the wrong, wrong hallway and they ended up on the wrong street. Um, this is why, but then always like, like really rooting things back in our values, right? Like we are, we, we, we take on our mistakes. We, we are, you know, honest and direct. And this is me being, you know, upfront. I made a mistake. I'm learned from it. This is what's happening. And I think folks appreciate um, that sort of, of connectedness. And, and the other thing that I think is really important about sort of opening the proverbial kimono is <laughs> and it goes with what you were saying about the seals and like, when you have mastered this sort of like group dynamic, yeah. right? Where everybody has like, you're right. Like I made a mistake. Everybody has to do hundred pushups and I'm sort of like, look like, oh, you messed up. Like the, it's that when you've mastered this sort of group dynamic and working as a team and working in unison. And when things do pivot off, when stress comes, when things get bad, you have already mastered that group dynamic, and you can regroup very quickly. Yes, yes. So this thing fell off, but I mastered this group dynamic. I can pull back easily and revert to what we know will push us through. And I think that that is that that key that that sort of like why you don't lead with sort of everyone doing their own thing, 
is that when things get the most stressful, being able to revert back to the, the thing that that fist to be able to push through um, the, the toughest things. And part of that is that vulnerability um, that's built into that to, to allow that dynamic and that mastery of being one. Yeah, I think it's 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 a brilliant observation, right? That 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 when when and and when things get tough, we we know how to act as a group when things are tough because we've yes. done this before. Versus we are a bunch of individuals as part of a larger team, but because we're not really because we haven't been trained in X way or because we don't have an aligned vision because we don't have aligned ways of communicating because there's nothing we really stand for as a group. We might stand for a ton individually. We don't really know how to act as a group. So when, when things get tough, we don't, we don't know what to do. And I, I heard somebody, I've heard this term, and this is going to resonate with a bunch of our listeners, but I've heard this term retaliation used a bunch over the last couple of weeks. And I've, of course, been hearing this for years, but it's come up a bunch over the last couple of weeks where people have said, when I've coached them to go have a tough conversation with uh, their boss or somebody, like somebody, like, or a colleague even, uh, yep. somebody uh, for, for whom there's a dotted line between them, folks have said, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm afraid of retaliation from them. Yep. And that is, I, I said to one person, like, you sound like you're, you're in, you're in the mafia, right? <laughs> like, I, this is the craziest thing. Like, and I, I know it's a real thing for folks, but oh, you want to talk about a poison culture, a poison culture, folks talking about like, if I go have, if I go say what's actually happening, I'm going to be retaliated against. By the way, whether it's real or not, right? I'm not even putting, like, the person thinks it's real. Right, the perception is enough. <laughs> right? I mean, talk about the, the and that is, that is a, that is a, a toxic, toxic uh, culture. And so um, we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave you with this, folks. And I really think this is, because this is, I'm obsessed with this idea. I know you are as well. These rebel cultures, these folks who, like, say here's what it looks like to to do to to in a place in a space where great culture is not often sought after or had or attained or 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 whatever like that we do have that and uh i'm gonna leave folks with with five the five tenets of building a rebel culture that we coach oh, people on at skyrocket and it's built out you know what these are. You know what they are. But I know you're being coy for our audience. So first thing, folks, right? Determine if you're if you're somebody who's leading a team. It doesn't have. You don't have to be the CEO of a of a, of a Fortune 500 com company. You could be a grade team leader. You could be the seventh grade grade team leader, right? Number one, determine what matters here, right? And that's your vision, and that's your values, and then message what matters here to folks. Make sure that folks hear it they hear it from you on the front end they hear it in your meetings right um that they are clear on those on those different pieces and then measure what matters here uh and that's formally through through observations it could just be anecdotally as you're going about say hey team i've i've noticed um that we are really knocking x thing out of the park we're Folks, we've, we've just been really positive in our meetings. Remember, we talk about like being positive matters, right? And so you're measuring those things. You're looking both quantitatively and qualitatively at the things that you say matter here. And then reinforce what matters here, right? And that is around 
um, praise and and um, uh, praise and continued messaging um, around around those things that matter. And then the last thing is hold each other accountable for what matters here, which is when folks are are, are missing things. Um, you, uh, you, you're, you're able to have, and by the way, one of the things that matters should be hint, hint that we give each other feedback or that we hold each other accountable or that we have tough conversations with skyrocket. We call it, we, we practice radical transparency, which means anybody can give feedback to anyone about anything at any time, but that you hold each other accountable and the, the, the lowest person on the totem pole, I hate to use that term as like a low person a <laughs> low person or totem pole you want to give me some feedback on that yeah please go let's hear it i i think there is a better way um that we can be more inclusive of, of all folks regardless of their position okay got it um so that the newest member of the team and maybe the least senior member of there the team go. um can give feedback to the most senior member and can hold them accountable. If, the, if And if that person missed a deadline, right? And it affected, if the most senior member missed a deadline and it affected the, the brand new person on the team's uh, job performance and their ability to do the work that they would hold them accountable. Um, now in the way that the team determined they would operate. So whether that's compassionately or whether that's from a solutions oriented mindset, like whatever it is, but they would have a conversation with that person and hold them accountable. So again, determine what matters here, message what matters here, measure what matters here, reinforce what matters here and hold each other accountable for what matters here. And if folks could do that, and even some of those things, your culture gets stronger overnight. Yep, absolutely. And Michael, I, that that part about determining what matters is so critical. And I, I just think about that places, you know, not even schools, but just organi organizations in general, like what actually matters, what's most important um, for us to do and determining that and being ultra clear about it. I just. I, I just, if every organization can start there, that's a fifth of the battle. But, but not in the, not in the, um, not in the like general, we care about kids. Right? Oh yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. They've got, you've got to get more granular than that. Yes. You've got to get down to what matters on this team. Your, your yep. vision of course could be around if you're working schools around, around students and yep. uh, students feeling supported and students, uh, g getting into college or get, moving on to career or the, the future of their, or the future of their choice or whatever it is, right? And if you work in the private sector, it might be around profits. It might be around goals. It might yeah. be around new company, new clients, et cetera, et cetera. But like the team, what matters on this team? It matters that we communicate early and often, yeah. right? It matters that we support each other no matter what. It matters that we use aligned language. Right, those types of things. And Michael, how do we get, how do we push organizations out of this like, this fluffy, bouncy cloud with Skittles and rainbows everywhere? <laughs> like, how do we get down to, and I love Skittles, but like, how do we get folks out of that? Like, oh, we're like here to educate children and that's what matters that everyone graduates and goes to college. Like, how do we 
get folks to not, you know, to think like that? How do we pull them down to, to earth then so that they can actually measure and, and, and communicate, do all of the things and hold folks accountable to, to these actual finite things? Yeah, well, the, the short answer is um, we've got to lift up for folks. In play. I mean, look, the, the, da the data is the data, right? And so um, if your school, if you say you're going to do X and that you care about X and none of it's happening or much of it isn't happening, you have to, you have to employ a new approach. And that's where folks like us can get folks to think more, more granularly around around this work and we could say hey you say you want students to do x y and z um let me show you 10 places i've been in your school for two hours let me show you 10 places where that's not happening um and where where what you're saying you want is not actually uh what you're doing um that is the i said that was the short answer that's the long answer the short answer is and folks stay tuned vance i'm about to get in trouble by you Oh but uh, I'm offering free Skittles. No, um, we have some big news coming at Skyrocket kind of soon um, about some work that we're doing around culture. Um, I will leave that there. Um, but if you our, are... Our attorney said you said enough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, thanks for engaging with this conversation uh, with me. Uh, do you think we were boring tonight without drinking? No. I would just a little probably a little bit more coherent. <laughs> so I feel like rewind and be like, wait, what did they? Yeah. I, someone said that I slurred a few things in uh, a few episodes. I've been called out a few times. So I think <laughs> probably were much more coherent uh, in this this episode. Well, I will say, well, this has been the probably the most stressful, you know, eighteen months in. Uh, in recent education memory. And uh, while we're not uh, encouraging anybody to develop a bad habit, um, I've got to tell you that uh, having a couple cocktails and talking education with you and some of our guests that we've had along the way has been highly therapeutic for me. Oh, so um, if, uh, if uh, we don't, certainly we don't want to be slurring. And like I said, we don't want to develop any bad habits. But uh, if that is something that folks want to engage in we uh I, I i encourage it i encourage it awesome all right folks well thanks for hanging with us tonight antonio thanks for being here um thanks. we are uh, off for thanksgiving we'll be back uh, in a couple weeks and uh until then from the skyrocket team happy thanksgiving and uh, keep on rocking this was Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. Sign up for our mailing list at wewillskyrocket.com and look out for our next episode.